Greetings, welcome to another episode of Get Right for Sunday. We're going to look at the readings for the third Sunday in Lent. I am Pastor Wright. And I'm Vicar Pearson. Our gospel lesson comes to us from St. John, the fourth chapter, verses 5 through 26. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, so Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink, for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? for Jews had no dealings with the Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I may will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. Jesus said to her, Go, call your husband and come here. The woman asked, answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You are right in saying, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming, and is now here, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming, he who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. This is an interesting text. Of course, we have the Samaritans and the Jews coming together. We see the conflict, the age-old issue. Where are you supposed to worship? They had the worship wars all the way back in the New Testament. And with this, we see that Jesus kind of just levels the playing field. He calls her out on her sin, and we need to know that this woman 
is not some prostitute. She's not uh, flippant and, and uh, sleeping around in, in that kind of sense, but that she is convicted by our Lord. And it is as if she has been able to subdue that inner voice, that, that gnawing sensation of knowing that she's doing wrong, and Jesus exposes this to her. And with that, she then starts asking questions about worship. It's almost as if she's trying to kind of deflect. She sees that Jesus is a prophet, and she sees that he's a religious guy. And so she talks about worship, something that, of course, he's going to have an opinion upon. But he brings her into this. And in verse 22, he simply says, You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know for salvation is from the Jews. Jesus is making the simple statement that the Samaritans and those who have false worship practices, false gods, even though they say they're worshiping in their spirit, they're worshiping with their conscience, and they feel good, and so on and so forth, they're not worshiping the true God. They're worshiping what they do not know. It's not that they're not seeking God. But they're looking for him in all the wrong places. They're making up their own worship, and by doing this, they're making up their own God. And Jesus say, is saying, it is from the Jews. And it's not that the Jews are the only ones that will have this, but we see this is the fulfillment of all the prophecies in the Old Testament. It is the fulfillment of what is to come. The Messiah is coming from the house of David. And we see that Jesus lays this out and says, I am the one who is coming. The Messiah that you know is to come when he comes in his own time. He is here and he is the one who is going to bring you the living waters that will spring in you the true life. And when we talk about worship, I have come. And this is the place where you will worship in me. This is all about faith. This is all about the work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit converts us, moves us, so that when we worship, it's not just saying the right words. It's not just standing or sitting at the right time, but truly being connected to God in faith, in the Holy Spirit, for the work that Christ provides. So truly, Jesus just opened up forever and heaven salvation forgiveness to this woman so that she would know that the hour is coming that the hour is now here the messiah is here for her just as he is for you our old testament reading for this week comes from exodus chapter 17 all the congregation of the people of israel moved on from the wilderness of sin by stages according to the commandment of the Lord, and camped at Rephidim. But there was no water for the people to drink. Therefore the people quarreled with Moses and said, Give us water to drink. And Moses said to them, Why do you quarrel with me? Why do you test the Lord? But the people thirsted there for water. And the people grumbled against Moses and said, Why did you bring us up out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? So Moses cried to the Lord, what shall I do with this people? They are almost ready to stone me. And the Lord said to Moses, Pass on before the people, taking with you some of the elders of Israel, and take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile, and go. 
Behold, I will stand before you there on the rock at Horeb, and you shall strike the rock, and the water shall come out of it, and the people will drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. And he called the name of the place Massah and Meribah, because of the quarreling of the people of Israel, and because they tested the Lord by saying, Is the Lord among us or not? In this reading, we hear the people of Israel who have just been brought out of Egypt, just brought through the sea, seen Pharaoh's armies drown behind them, just been brought out into the wilderness and given food to eat, manna from heaven. And now they've found one more thing to be upset about. This is not the first time that the children of Israel have asked Moses, did you bring us out here to kill us? They asked this question at the sea when Pharaoh's army is pursuing them. They ask this question when they want food and God provides them with food. And now they ask this question, did you bring us out here to kill us when they ask for a drink? And so it is that the children of God are never truly satisfied. The children of Israel are not truly content to dwell in the promises that God has given them. They have such a hard time holding on to what God has given them that they quarrel and fight against Moses and against God. That's why Moses calls the places Masa and Meribah. Uh, the Hebrew prefix ma can be uh, the prefix of a place, so the place where this goes on. And asa is testing to reeve, which is where we get riva, um, is to quarrel or to bring a legal charge against someone. And the idea is that the Israelites are testing God to see if he's going to take care of them. They're bringing the charge against him that they're being mistreated. And even to these ungrateful, unfaithful children, God pours out his blessing. I'm reminded of the first verse of hymn 851, Lord of glory, you have bought us, which goes like this. Lord of glory, you have bought us with your lifeblood as the price, never grudging for the lost ones, that tremendous sacrifice. And with that have freely given blessings, countless as the sand, to the unthankful, and the evil with your own unsparing hand. We see this very thing taking place in our gospel reading when Christ comes to the Samaritan woman and shows her the way of salvation. Even though she is part of the children of Israel who diverted from God's plan, even though the Samaritans are those who have broken themselves off from Israel, even though they are living apart from the promises of God, Christ comes to them and brings them back into the fold. He brings all nations into God's fold. And this is where we find ourselves. We find that we're no better than ungrateful Israel. We're no better than the wayward Samaritans. For we are sinners in need of Christ's redemption. And this is when our Lord comes to us, pouring out not water from Jacob's well, not water from a rock, but his own blood. And not for our temporal life and the quenching of our thirst, but for our eternal life 
and the quenching of the fires of hell. So both the Old Testament and the uh, Gospel lesson have this water coming about. You got the water from the well, you got the eternal um, spring, you got the water from the rock. And what's interesting is the true water that is given in both of these comes by the power and might of God. You got Israel complaining and God's man, Moses, strikes the rock and provides life-giving water. The woman comes to get life-giving water for her life, right here, right now, until she has to come back again and again. And when she hears that there's this water that will uh, not will, will satisfy her thirst and she won't have to come back, well, of course, she immediately thinks in earthly terms, I have this water, I can do other things. I can be about my own business. I can uh, do what I want to do when I want to do it instead of being bound to come here and satisfy my earthly thirst. And of course, in both of these situations, we have God who provides uh, the Samaritan is being offered the life of the living water that will sustain and keep her in this life and the life that comes. The Old Testament Israelites, they're provided with water to show that only God is the one who provides everything that is for life. And again, it goes back to what are we worshiping? The woman, she comes and she sees that Jesus is willing to give her magic water. And only at the end does Jesus show her what this water really is. It is the true worship in spirit and truth. It is his gifts. It is his perfect life, death, and resurrection. This is the, the immensity of what God is doing in both of these texts and literally through the whole Bible. And it's what we live in. We come to the divine service to receive the very gift of God. We worship God in spirit. That is our soul. Our soul moved by the Holy Spirit so that our thirst for righteousness will be quenched because it's only quenched in Christ. Our life can only be found in him forevermore. I love the statement that Jesus makes saying, if you knew who it was who asked you for a drink, you would ask him and he would give you the living water. And it's interesting to contrast that again with the Israelites in the Old Testament. They know exactly who they're asking for a drink from. They know this Yahweh who's made himself known to them in miraculous, powerful, visible ways. And in no uncertain terms, they ask him like spoiled little brats if he's actually taking care of them. And if he can provide for them, how much more is he glad to bless us when we come as his children in humility and at his command to pray to him, to ask of him the blessings that we need for this daily life and for the life to come? How confident can we be approaching God and asking for him to do unto us according to his word? 
to give us life, to give us our daily bread, to give us all of the things that a child asks of their father. And what a blessing it is to have that kind of father who listens and who is merciful and gracious as our father is. It is our hope and prayer that this little podcast helps you get right for this coming Sunday. We meet Saturday at 6 p.m. and Sunday at 8 and 10.30. God's peace and blessings be upon you.